the Lord. God is good. He's so good. Amen. Let's give God a hand. He's so good. There's nothing better than Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're glad you're here today. Well, good morning. Oh, come on now. Good morning. Good. There we go. Good morning. Good to see all of you. Good morning to all those online today. Welcome home. We're glad you're here. If you're new today and we haven't met, my name's Kyle. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are starting a brand new series today called The Early Church, They Were Faithful and Fruitful. The Early Church. Say that with me. The Early Church. We're going to be learning about how they were faithful and fruitful. What a great combination. We're going to be looking at that. We're actually going to be looking at the book of Acts over the course. This is probably going to run through the middle of July, late July, and studying after Jesus resurrected and he ascended to the Father. the church began to grow and began to proclaim that Jesus is the way, which is a reminder from a couple weeks ago as we think about this today, not only back then, but even today, the way that Jesus plans to grow his church is his followers. We're the plan A, we're the plan B, we're the plan C. It was that, it was that way then when they started the early church, and it's that way to this day. The way that Jesus, the way we grow the kingdom, the way we tell people about Jesus, the way people find Jesus It's through word of mouth. It's through his followers, through his witnesses. So what's happening is in the Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus is doing the training. He's doing the teaching. He kind of lets them do a little bit and kind of watches them do different things. But for the most part, the disciples are in training. They're students. They're learning. They're listening. They're hearing God speak. They're hearing Jesus do these miracles and those kinds of things. And now all of a sudden with the early church, there's a passing of the baton where Jesus is going to be with them in spirit. We're going to learn about the Holy Spirit next week when Pastor Adam preaches. But during this time, um, they are getting the baton and they're going to begin to be the one who's moving from student to an apostle. In the, in the New Testament, they were disciples, which means like you're in training. An apostle at that time during the early church was one who was sent, who had special powers to perform miracles and to present the message of Jesus Christ. So there's a passing of the baton that happens between the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, to the book of Acts where it shifts from Jesus doing things and them watching to now they're doing the, the work and they're, they're going to um, share the good news of Jesus Christ. So it's the Acts. We're looking at the Acts, the works, the things that the apostles did to see the church of Jesus Christ grow. So in your Bible, if you happen to have a hardback Bible, sometimes, not in every Bible, there'll be like a little paragraph that starts off the book of the Bible, and it kind of shares what the book is about. That's what this paragraph here that you have on the screen. The book of Acts, it chronicles the, the birth and the expansion of the church. It highlights the deeds of some of its most influential leaders, such as Peter and Paul. Maybe some of us have heard those names before. They were very instrumental in sharing the gospel. And then the book of Acts continues the story begun in the gospel of Luke. So I shared with you earlier the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, Luke wrote two books. He wrote the gospel of Luke. Luke was a doctor. and He was very detailed in his description. And then he also wrote the book of Acts. And so um, it's, it continues that story in the writings of Luke, and it shows how the church continues the work that Jesus began. So we're going to pick right up in Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. And what we're reading here is the disciples have watched Jesus ascend into heaven, and now all of a sudden um, we're going to see what takes place. So here's what Luke writes. A little bit of setting up today before we get to our thoughts. 
In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. That's what our last series was on, was those 40 days after. So we've already looked at that. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually, what was he, church? He was alive. He was saying, hey, look, you know, the body's not missing. I'm alive. Jesus is alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but just in a few days you will be baptized with what, church? With the Holy Spirit. I'm going to try to stay out of that chapter because that's Adam's chapter next week. I really want to, though, because it's some cool stuff. But we're going to stay in chapter 1 best I can. So he says, but in just a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, you know, kind of like, a child is asking about, are we there yet? Are we there yet? What's going to happen? They said, hey, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. Let's read that last together. And they are not, they're not for you to know, right? Hey, mom, what'd you get me for Christmas? Come on. What was it? You got me the shoes, didn't you? That's what you got me. I know it. I asked for them. Do you want, did you get the color I wanted? And your parents are like, I'm not telling you. It's not time yet, right? I know you surprised me. Just tell me what it is. No, I'm not telling you. I mean, they're in there trying to get, right? They're trying to get Jesus to let them in. Look, we've been following you for a while. The rest of these guys, they're just kind of here for the show. But we've been following you. Give us a little scoop, a little insight here. And he's like, look, it's not for you to know the times and the dates, okay? But I will throw you a bone since you won't quit asking me. You can take comfort in this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria. Those are the places that you guys are familiar with. But I'm also telling you this. I'm with you to the very ends of the earth, which is kind of sharing. Like we're going past where you're familiar with. We're going to share this gospel, this good news with the entire world. Well, then after saying this... He's taking, get this picture, right? They're on this Mount of Olives. Jesus is saying this stuff, right? You don't have a resurrection every day. You don't have an ascension every day. I mean, all this stuff is brand new. They're sitting there talking to him. Jesus isn't letting him in on a whole lot, but he's promising that his spirit's going to be with him. And then all of a sudden, he starts to go up into the clouds, and they couldn't see him anymore. And then they're just staring like, whoa, dude. As they strain to see him rising into heaven, these two white-robed men suddenly are standing there among among them. And he says, men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So stop staring into heaven and let's start building the church. So then a few more things happen because the chapter's long. I won't read all that to you. We'll paraphrase it. After they stopped staring into heaven and they go back, they return to the, from the Mount of Olives and they head to the upper room. How many have at least heard the phrase upper room before? Okay, a few of you, yep. They head to the upper room where they're staying. Now here's who's with them. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas. 
is a different Judas. There's two. Okay, the first Judas was Judas Iscariot. We know as the guy who betrayed Jesus, but there was also a Judas, son of James. So all of them are together in the same place. And there's some stuff that happened, right? Because they have to wait on the Holy Spirit. They can't just get started. They have to wait. There's some things that happen while that's happening. The Bible tells us in chapter 1, verse 14, they all met together and they were constantly united in, what was it, church? In prayer. They were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. So during this time, paraphrase, just to kind of fast forward, there's 120 believers together in, in one place. How many? 120 believers, just checking if we're with us. Peter shares about Judas during this time, right? People are praying, they're, they're, they're fasting, they're worshiping, they're in this place, and the, the spirit is laid on Peter's heart. He's got a word. He's going to say something. He's like, look, y'all know what happened to Judas, okay? We need to talk about it. Let's just, you know, that person that's like, we just need to talk about what happened, right? He's like, look, we need to, Judas, we all know what happened to Judas, all right? We need to replace him. So he talked about Jesus and his, uh, he talked about Judas Iscariot's betraying Jesus and his demise following betrayal. And then he says, we need to choose a replacement. So Peter explains, he says, look, this isn't just some guy, right? Five guys, burgers and fries. It's not just some guy. I'm getting hungry. Uh, (laughs) Salty, hot French fries. Sorry, where was I? But you know, it's not just some guy that they can just replace Judas with. It needs to be somebody that's been with them the entire time they've been traveling. It's like if you're on a board and you're selecting a new board member, you don't just select anybody. You give the qualities is what we're looking for. Peter's like, look, don't just give me your neighbor that you know named Larry or something. All right, here's our qualifications. They need to be somebody who's been traveling with Jesus the entire time from the time he was baptized until he was taken from them. And then he says this, Before we pick this person, whoever is chosen will join us as witnesses, as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. So he kind of lets them know, like, this is a big deal. So they nominated two men. Joseph called Barsabbas, not to be confused with Barabbas. (laughs) Joseph called Barsabbas and Matthias. So they all prayed. Oh, Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as apostle to replace Judas in this ministry. And then here's a little bitterness. Peter's praying this. Okay, he's praying this. And he goes, for he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Okay, if you don't know the story of Judas, Judas betrays Jesus and then goes out and hangs himself. And rather than being graceful, Peter's praying this prayer that's supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's praying this, oh, Lord, show us this, who it's supposed to be. And Lord, we know that 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 rascal deserted us and he needs to go where he belongs, right? Come on, guys. Church can be fun. Let's go. Come on. Then they cast lots. This is the last time you'll see in Scripture where they cast lots. After this, the Holy Spirit comes. And Matthias is selected to become an apostle with the other 11. There's a lot. That's a lot to chapter 1. So there's a few things going on. One, they replace Judas with Matthias, and then Jesus ascends into heaven. They're all staring at the clouds. But, but one of the main things is, is that he's telling them that the Holy Spirit's coming, but not yet. They have to wait. I don't know why I remember this. 
I remember the first time I ever went to a water park. I was a little kid. It was like amazing. It was like heaven. You know, it was, and so we went to, what's in Kansas City? Oceans of Fun, is that right? Okay, I wouldn't go there now. But then, but I remember like getting out of the car. I couldn't wait. Like I just couldn't even wait. I didn't want to wait in the line. I didn't want to wait. I just wanted to, you know, go. But I had to wait. I couldn't just cut in line. I couldn't just, there was things that had to happen beforehand. The apostles, they had to wait on the Holy Spirit. They were ready to go. In fact, the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then the promise at the end, remember that, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus is saying, go, but then he says, wait, you're going to go, but now you got to wait. Man, waiting stinks sometimes. Waiting in a doctor's office, waiting on the lab results, waiting on your kids to be mature. (laughs) Amen? Amen? Come on, somebody stand up. I know you're clapping. Point to somebody. Right? You're waiting on all kinds of things. Waiting is hard. And they had to wait. You know, we have to trust God's timing over our own because God is in the waiting just like he's in the going. Not only is he in the going, but he's in the waiting. I remember a season where I didn't have a wife. I kind of wanted one. Lord, who is that? But I got to wait, right? Man, I want to know what's going to happen. Some of our students are going to NYC this summer, to Tampa Bay, Florida. Some of them are like, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? What's going to happen? We got to wait to find out. Waiting is hard. And sometimes it's not fun stuff that we're waiting on, right? It's the heavy stuff. And Jesus says, look, don't leave Jerusalem. You're going to go, but not yet. Chill. Go. Don't leave, or excuse me, wait. Don't leave Jerusalem until the Father that sends you the gift he has promised, as I've told you before. But here's something interesting before I lose you. Here's something interesting. There is a purpose in the waiting also. You know, we all want to, when you build a house, you want to, you want to pick out the decorations and you want it to look nice, but there's footing that has to happen first. There's foundation that has to happen first. There's dirt work that has to happen first. There's prep that needs to happen. God wanted them to go, but there needed to be some prep. And look at this. There's a method in the waiting because while they're waiting, I don't want to get in chapter two, it'd be real easy to, but in chapter one, while they're waiting, some things happened. They return from the Mount of Olives. They go to the upper room. They start to worship the Lord. They start to meet together. And they're united in what church? Constantly. Look, this is constantly united in. I wonder if God likes that. Can you imagine? Like, we always think of it from the child's angle. We're children of God. But think of it from God's perspective. His children are gathering together. It's like... It's like when your parents and your, your children actually get along with each other. Once a year, that happens. You know what I'm talking about? Don't laugh, guys. That's not funny. Let's be serious, okay? Come on, guys. Like, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> They're actually getting along. What's going on? So, like... They're praying together. These, these people are praying together. They're eating together. They're, they're worshiping together. They're gathering together. And all this happens while they're waiting. 
And then, of course, Matthias replaces Judas. Listen, waiting has a purpose just like going has a purpose. And let me just, for those online, you were here today, there's got to be, there's too many of us, somebody in here or online, maybe both, you're in a waiting season. This isn't a go season for you. You're waiting. I could list all the different things you're waiting on, but you know what you're waiting on. Hey, let me ask you this. What would happen if during the waiting season, you trusted that God had a purpose for the waiting season? What if during the waiting season, you stopped sitting around? Don't, we, didn't, we don't hand out tomatoes on purpose, so you can't throw them at me. So don't throw, any at, don't, don't throw them in your mind. But Instead of sitting around and being frustrated because it's not go time, it's not go season, you, you don't know what's going to happen next. What if during that time, instead of getting angry and frustrated, if we just trusted God's plan and during that time we said, God... Do something beautiful while we're waiting. Do something beautiful while we're waiting. Man, something beautiful happened while they were waiting. They worshiped. They gathered together. They they chose Judas' replacement. There were some things that took place. Listen to what David says. Let's read it. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. You know what's interesting? It doesn't say, wait patiently for the Lord. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. There's one little sentence sandwiched in between those two statements. Let's read that. Be. I wonder why Dave mentioned. Dave. Dave. We're on a first name basis now. Famous Dave's. It's a barbecue place. No. I told you I'm hungry. Okay? I'm hungry. You thought I was just being funny. I'm seriously, I'm hungry. But now this one little sentence in between says, be brave and courageous. Why? The implication is it stinks to wait. And it's, you want to know what happens when we wait? We don't want to be brave and courageous. We want to be impulsive. We want to give into what our feelings are, right? A boy and a girl are going to get married. You tell them to wait. No, I don't want to wait. Yeah, but we're supposed to wait. I don't want to wait. Man, you want to say that. I want to tell them off with my mouth. Like, no, wait. Wait on the Holy Spirit. Wait, wait. Your mouth's out running the Holy Spirit. Hold up. Hold. Don't say that. Whoa, wait. Man, my, my husband is a... No, no, wait. Hold up. Be patient. Pray for him. Man, my wife... Man, whoa, whoa, wait. Wait up. I don't think they're ever... Oh, We gotta, we gotta, we gotta move in step with the Spirit, Amen. We want to get in front of Him, or we want to get behind Him. We're called to stay in step with Him. David says, "Look, it's not going to be easy. That's why you got to be brave and courageous." Remember the first for those of you who don't like conflict, because some of you don't. You'd rather take a beating than than have a confrontation. Remember that first time you had to be confrontive, and you're just like, "Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do." But you got to be brave and courageous. It's part of being a leader, right? Sometimes you do it with grace, but you have to do it. When we wait, we have to be bold. We have to be brave. We have to be courageous and wait. The other thing that's interesting is, is while they're asking for this insider information, hey, you know, when are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? When are you coming back? When are all these things happening? 
And Jesus is like, look, it's not for you to know the times and the dates, but I will give you a little hint. Yeah, tell me, tell me, tell me. You're going to receive power. I'm not going to get into all you're going to have to do, where you're going to have to go, what you're going to have to do, but I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to be with you. You're going to receive power. Why? Because God equips the people he sends. And I'm sending you. Right? Paul gives testimony that he was being sent to the Gentiles to turn them from darkness to light. I can't tell you all the details of what you're going to be called to do, but I'm telling you, when you go, you're going to be equipped. So years ago, I had a group of teens, and we went to a concert. It was a Barlow Girl concert. I wasn't there because I wanted to watch the Barlow Girls, but they were one of the bands. They were there. And one of the, one of the I think it was a drummer, she had a microphone, and she said, you know, God doesn't call the qualified he qualifies the called. And what she was saying is what this is saying, which is that God equips those he sends. None of us are equipped to do the work of God. Amen? None of us in our own. We can't begin to live the life that God calls us to live on our own. We've all, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? Amen? Amen. It's his light in us. It's his spirit in us. He's the one who does the equipping. You know that lump in your stomach when you feel like you need to tell somebody about Jesus? Hopefully every once in a while we have that lump if we're a follower. And we're worried about it, we're nervous about it. Realize that if he's called you to it, he's going with you through it. If he's calling you, he's going to equip you. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I'm not sure what I'm going to say. Trust the Spirit to give you what to say. Man, I've been working the same job for 30 years, and all of a sudden, God's changing what I'm going to do. I don't know. I'm just, I don't know. I don't know. Well, we need to do the math and figure all that stuff out. That's part of common sense. But there comes a point where if he's calling us to get out of the boat, we've got to trust him. Amen? We've got to trust him. Peter, listen to this. We know this story. If you don't, the disciples are on the water, and it's storming out. We, went, we took a deep-sea fishing trip last summer. I got sick. I'll just tell you that. It was like Gilligan's Island, you know, when they're talking about the weather started getting rough. It was bad. And I think of a squall or a storm that was even worse than the one we were out on last year. And the disciples are all afraid and they're sitting in the boat. And Peter, he has the faith to say, Lord, if it's you that's coming to us, Tell me to get out of the boat, because I'll tell you right now, it doesn't matter what the weather looks like. If you are in the weather, I'm good. And Peter gets out of the boat. Folks, we can trust him, because if he's, if he's in the storm, he will equip us. Amen? Amen. See, remember what we read earlier. He equips us. Well, how's he going to equip us? He tells him, I'm going to equip you with my power, with my spirit. Folks, when we accept Jesus into our heart, we're given the fruits of the Spirit. It's not our power, it's His. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are the fruits of the Spirit that we get. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I'm not going to tell you all the details, but you're going to be my witnesses. Not only in the area that you know, Judea, Samaria, and Jerusalem, all over, but here's the circuit blower past that. 
out of your comfort zone to the very ends of the age. Listen, Peter, right? Remember Peter, he betrayed Jesus, cut the guy's ear off, lost his cool. Listen to what Peter writes. He says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. By his divine power. Say that with me. By his divine power. It's not our power. It's his power. Listen to this. No matter what you're going through in life, we should know this sentence. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. By his divine power. Now, why is that statement important? Because if you take away divine power and you take away God, we don't have everything we need to live the life God's called us to live. But thanks be to God, the tomb is empty. Amen? And because the tomb is empty, we can live in his resurrection power. I grew up in a small church where we would sing this hymn, Resurrection Power. I'm like, what is that? It's just a weird thing to say. No, you want to know what it is? It's the spirit of God inside of us. We serve a God that's alive. And because he's alive, he's alive inside of us. And because he's inside of us, he goes with us. And because he goes with us, lives can be changed. See, because when God calls, he equips the macro and the micro, right? The microwave, something small God's calling you to do. He's with you. The big things like going and sharing Jesus with someone or, or trusting God with a cancer diagnosis or, or dealing with something you never thought you could deal with. Listen, God, God is with us. And if he's calling us to something, he's going to go there with us. When God calls, he also equips. Amen? Well, then like, you know, there's this other section here where they're talking about Judas some of us, I mentioned it earlier, but Judas, we always give Judas a, a, a bad rap. Judas was the one who betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, and then he goes out. The, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I'm not trying to be graphic, but the Bible says that after he betrayed um, Jesus, he took the money that, it, that they gave him to betray Jesus, and he threw it on the temple steps, and Scripture says he went out and he hung himself. It's kind of a sad ending to the whole deal. And we always look at Judas worse than we do Peter. Right? But the reality is, Peter also failed Jesus. How many times did Peter fail Jesus? Three times, right? You remember? I mean, he spent all this time with Jesus, had his back. If there was anybody, right? Y'all know that one friend you have that's going to have your back no matter what, what's going on. Everybody else wouldn't, but they will. You know that maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's a friend. And if you don't have that person, God's that person. Amen. But that person that's got your back, and if you were going to say, hey, out of this group of people, who's going to turn their back on Jesus? I don't know about you, but for me, I would say it wouldn't be Peter. I mean, Peter took his sword out. It wasn't the right way, but he was defending him, takes his sword out, cuts the guy's ear off, who's trying to arrest Jesus. I mean, this guy had his back, and then all of a sudden we see Peter saying, I don't know Jesus, three different times. And then we see Judas betraying Jesus for money. The only difference between Peter and Judas was how they handled their failure. The only difference. Judas decided to take his life. Peter decided to, to receive forgiveness and go on to help build the church. What we do when we fail is really important. 
do we turn towards Jesus, we see Peter getting out of the boat and running towards the shore and him being restated in John 21. We see Judas running off to a tree to hang himself. And I would say this. Sometimes we think of Judas in a negative way. And some of you have heard the term church hurt. You don't have to know what it means, but how many have ever heard the term church hurt before? You see a lot in our millennials and our younger generation shirts that say church hurt on them. Can I tell you today that there is no perfect church because there's no perfect people? And we have to be careful of being critical of the church because we run into a Judas? Come on. Because the church is bigger than any one person's poor choices. Amen? I mean, imagine this. Imagine Jesus goes to all this work for three years And then all of a sudden, Judas does what he does, and the rest of them say, well, there's no use in even trying this. I mean, Judas was the finance guy. He was the treasurer. He had all of his ducks in a row. So if he's going to mess up and he's going to do that, then we're going to do it. You know what, Jesus? Forget the whole thing. That's not what happened. Folks, don't look to people in the church. Look to Jesus. Amen? Amen? The church is full of broken, hurting people who are imperfect. And can I just say this to you today? You see people who church hop all the time from one church to another church to another church. That church hurt me. That church hurt me. They, this, this. You know that person? They did this with that person. They're to, can I just tell you this today? We don't serve people. We serve God. Our, our job is not to try to figure out who's done what. Our job is to love people and serve the kingdom. We don't have time to sit around gossiping about what they did or who they did. And here'd be my response. Well, if such and such did something somewhere else, I'm glad they're in church to where they can find answers. Amen? Amen? Here's what I guess I'm trying to say. If you want to find fault in the body of believers, you can find it. Instead, be about advancing the kingdom. We are his witnesses. What are we giving witness to? That's good. And here's the other thing at the same time. When we want to get real critical of the Judases, right? The people who've betrayed, who've done the wrong thing. Maybe we're related to them. Judas isn't the only one who failed. So we need to give grace. Did you know, nowhere in scripture does it say we give the final judgment? We're the, we're the person that decides everything. No, it doesn't say that. It does say that by a person's fruits, we will recognize them. And I think God gives us common sense, right? Sometimes when you're, you don't let your kid out in a neighborhood and just walk off, I mean, there's common sense stuff. But the reality is we're called to love people and we're called to give grace, So let me ask you this. Is there someone in your life? Now you can throw a tomato at me if you want because I'm getting close to something. Is there someone in your life that God is calling you to give more grace to? They actually were guilty. They weren't kind of guilty. They were guilty. Whatever they did to you or someone you care about, it was wrong. And they deserve what's coming to them just like the rest of us do. Remember the two thieves on the cross, if you don't know that story? 
There's three crosses. Jesus is in the middle, two thieves on either side. And by the way, the one in the middle is innocent, but the other two on either side, they were guilty for real. They were guilty. And one of them had the audacity to look at Jesus and say, hey, when you get to this place that you're going, I'm not sure what you're talking about, but I believe in this. I believe in you. I can tell you're different. I think you are the Messiah. When you get there, I probably shouldn't ask this. I definitely don't deserve it. And that's pretty vulnerable. He may not have a stitch of clothing on. You know, we paint pictures with him having a white cloth on. I mean, you're talking about an embarrassing situation. Everybody's there, maybe even some of the people that these thieves, you know, when they do like a oh, death penalty or whatever, some of the family is able to be there to watch it happen. I mean, there, there could have been people there that, that were offended by this per, these thieves, you know, they're there. All these people, are that's just speculating on my part. And he humbles himself in front of all these people. And he says, hey, I shouldn't ask this. Don't deserve it. But would you remember me when you get to paradise? I mean, you think Jesus would say, look, you didn't follow me for three years. You don't know any of the training that I've given out. You, don't even, you haven't lived your life trying to be a good person. Why should I help you? I mean, that kind of makes sense math-wise. But that's not what he said. He said, I tell you the truth. It was a qualifying statement to say, you can bank on it. I tell you the truth to today, you will be with me in paradise. We're Judas. We're the thieves on the cross. We are born separated from God. And it's by his grace, by his wounds, Isaiah says, we are healed. Amen? So if there's a Judas in your life, would you consider forgiving them? Would you consider giving them grace? Because God's giving you grace. Forgive, Colossians 3.13, I believe. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. One last thing. We talked about this Judas person, right, that we have to deal with. What if you're the Judas If you are Judas, you have the opportunity to choose differently. Before you leave here today, it's as simple as confessing with your mouth whatever it is you've done. You, you, you would never tell. Maybe you wouldn't even tell people what you've done. Can I tell you the cross is big enough for whatever that is? And it's not by force. It's not by strength. It's not by trying harder. It's not by helping more people across the street. It's not by all these things. Zechariah says it in Zechariah 4, 6. It's not by force nor by strength. Let's read it. But by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Folks, as we serve him, as we receive his grace, if we give his grace, it's not something we force. You can't make your child, you can't make your adult child come to Jesus. You just need to get right with God. You know you're living the wrong way. You just need to get right. That's not going to get them to go to, you're going to force them into it. Well, you know you've got a giftedness. You're not listening to it. God's got a big plan for you. You can't force someone into something. Well, I'm just going to grow this, this group of people. You can't grow. It's not by force. It's not by might. It's by God's spirit. Amen. It's by his presence. So what do we do? We pray for his spirit. 
We pray for his presence. I'm so thankful that my grandma and my dad and others in my life weren't telling me that I was living the wrong way. They were praying that God would put people in my life that would bring me back to God. Folks, some of you are desperate for someone in your life to come to know Jesus. Man, pray. Some of you would say, Kyle, I am. I have been. You don't know. Keep praying. The story's not over. Amen? Keep praying. It's not by force. It's not by strength. It's but by my spirit. So I would just say this before we move on. If you're the Judas, if you're the person that's causing turmoil, if you're the person that's betrayed, understand two things. One, we need to re- you need to repent, ask forgiveness, and stop doing whatever it is you're doing. I mean, if you're in a relationship with a husband or a wife and you're cheating on them, saying you're sorry is not enough. You got to apologize. You, you got to repent. Amen. You got to stop. If that's you, repent. But also realize that God's grace is sufficient for you. So I've got three questions as the band comes up today. We've been talking about, there's really a couple things that happened in this chapter. One was, is that they were waiting on the Holy Spirit. The second thing was, is that Jesus lets them in on the fact that they're going to receive power. And the last thing is, we looked at Judas and the church and how sometimes we can get focused on the people of the church rather than Jesus. So that really brought up three questions today. They may not all hit you the same, but maybe one of those questions really gets you. But here's my questions for us today. And I would just ask that you'd be open to the Holy Spirit talking to you about one of these questions or all of them. For those who are struggling with waiting, because they waited on the Holy Spirit, can we seek Him while we wait? Instead of waiting with a bad attitude, you know, I want that job, I don't have a job, we're mad. Can we, can we trust during the waiting? We're waiting on someone to find Jesus. We're waiting on someone to figure it out. We're waiting on someone to mature. We're waiting on our situation. I mean, I could list a bunch, but I don't know it all. But for whatever reason, you're online, you're here, you're waiting. Could we just trust him while we wait? Just trust him while we wait. Alyssa's in here. She sings the song, He's in the Waiting, right? He is. He's in the waiting. And then here's the other deal. Maybe God's called you to ministry and you kind of know it, but you haven't said yes to it. Maybe he's calling you to talk to someone about Jesus and you know it, but just keep putting it off. Maybe there's another situation that I haven't named where in some way God's calling you to do something small or big or somewhere in between and you keep doubting. You keep. Can you just trust that God will equip you if he's sending you? And here's the last thing. I don't know if you've realized it or not, but there's a lot of attacks on churches nowadays. The world's kind of nuts. It's hard enough to share Jesus to the world for at the same time for the church to be fighting with each other at the same time. It doesn't work like that. Man, make sure that you're edifying the church more than you are being critical of it. If you want to find something wrong with someone, you can find it. 
Do you want to know what creates unity and harmony? It's not that we all think the same, look the same, dress the same, talk the same, have the same ideas, all have. No, it's a tolerance for each other. Sometimes the best thing you can do, the best way you can love someone is to tolerate them. Amen? That's the truth. Man, what would happen if you spent less time critiquing the music or critiquing whether you like the donut or not? or critiquing this person and how they smiled at you or didn't smile at you or shook their hand or didn't shake their hand or if somebody came up to you and said what they needed to say so you to feel like you're welcome or not. And what if you just begin to say, God, what can I do? How can I help? It's a big difference, isn't it? Can we seek him while we wait on him? Can we trust him to equip us for what he's called us to do? And can we edify the church? Let's read it. More than we... Let's stand together this morning.